it was magnificent. You know, to hear Sloop John B come out of those speakers with that brilliant arrangement, you know, it was, there was just something so thrilling about it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Brewer. Greetings. And today is a great day. We're going to be talking about a lot of fun stuff, uh, including our first foray into the wonderful collection of songs known as Pet Sounds. But first, we're going to catch you guys up on what we've been doing uh, Jason and I both took a little vacation, and we also played some shows. We had a really great show in South Carolina with the four freshmen. Yes, the four freshmen, and it was awesome. So good. It was really inspiring and really fun to meet those guys and hang out, and uh, we got to sing Their Hearts Were Full of Spring with the four freshmen, which was pretty surreal, so... Hopefully, uh, we'll get to do it again someday. Those guys are awesome. And if you ever have a chance to see them, you should definitely check them out. It's not the original members, obviously. Keeping the name alive. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty great. So, done fanboying about them. But uh, we also played uh, some really fun shows in Iowa and Wisconsin. And I wanted to say thanks to Carla and Kathy in Wisconsin for coming to see us. And uh, we got more coming up from Kathy in a bit. But uh, we also have a few shows coming up um, with our tribute group called Sail On. If you don't know, now you know. And uh, we play Beach Boys songs and hang out and talk about the Beach Boys if if that's something you're into. (laughs) But uh, what do we got coming up, Jason? Well, we have March 30th in Cookville, Tennessee. We have April 3rd and 4th in Waterloo, Iowa, April 5th in Dubuque, Iowa, and April 6th in Slinger, Wisconsin. Go to saleonsounds.com and you should be able to find everything you need. If not, send us some hate mail. Yeah, we love hate mail. We don't really get a lot of hate mail, which is cool, but, um, you know, I'm kind of surprised that we don't get more hate mail as, uh, as we are pretty uh, opinionated about a lot of things. But that's great. Maybe people really like us, or they're just being polite. So yeah, come say hey. Let's get into some emails. The first one is from the aforementioned Kathy Johnson in Wisconsin. She says, Hi, White and Jason. It was so nice to meet you after the West Salem show tonight. Thank you for taking the time to chat for a bit. I could talk about this music for hours, really. The show was great too. The ice cream suits in the second half were a fun surprise. I too like a lot of stuff from the 66 to 69 period. My fan story goes back to the early 80s and I'll share it someday, but the compilation that really kicked up my appreciation of the late 60s era was was Sunshine Dream from 1982, I think. Sweet. 
It was the first time I'd heard tunes like I Can Hear Music, still a favorite, Heroes and Villains, and Do It Again. Have you run across Sunshine Dream? I still have my vinyl copy from 1982, still in great shape even after these cross-country moves. I honestly think you have the best Beach Boys podcast out there. Thank you for cranking out the episodes. I like to rank the songs along with you. Sometimes we even agree. I'm looking forward to the Sloop John B. discussion. Thanks again and happy travels. Kathy Johnson, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Kathy, great to meet you. Thanks for the amazing email as well. Really just, you know, like to share that sentiment that I could, I know why it could too, talk about this music for hours and hours and days and days and days. And that's why we do our podcast. Uh, I do know Sunshine Dream. <clears throat> I had it on maybe. It was funny. It was a like a copied cassette from my neighbor. Um, he had Sunshine Dream and Endless Summer. So, yeah, pretty great. I have not actually owned that compilation, but I've seen it and I know of it. And that's really cool that that was how you kind of got into the Beach Boys. That's really neat. And thank you for writing. Thanks for coming out to see us. And also, thank you for being a patron of the show. Really appreciate it. Up next, we have an email from Brad Kramer. Wyatt and Jason, I was happy to hear you start off the first installment on today with When I Grow Up to Be a Man. I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, but this episode compelled me to write. Like many in your audience, I inherited my Beach Boys fandom from my parents. They mostly listened to the early stuff. I don't think I heard anything after Do It Again until 1988. The hits collection, Made in the USA from 1986 and Concert 1964 were on heavy rotation on the tape deck in the family car. And Endless Summer was a mainstay on the turntable. They had pet sounds, but didn't listen to it much. My own Beach Boys collection started with the cocktail soundtrack, even though I was too young to actually watch the movie, but I had to have Kokomo. My first concert was the Beach Boys in 1991 at Cleveland Municipal Stadium after a baseball game. However, I drifted away from the Beach Boys over the next 25 years to explore different musical avenues. It was all the think pieces and retrospectives for the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds that renewed my Beach Boys enthusiasm. It hit overdrive once I picked up Beach Boys in Concert from 1973 at a used record store. Hearing those 1970s era songs was like discovering a whole new band. The last two years have been consumed with tracking down the post-1966 albums on vinyl. I've only got a couple more to go. Even if I wasn't as full-bore obsessed with the Beach Boys as I am now, their music was always there in the back of my mind. Nice pun there, Brad. (laughs) Which brings me back to today. It brought a smile to my face when talked about when I grew up to be a man. That song immediately sprang to mind when I had to choose my mother-son dance song at my wedding seven years ago. It turns out that yes, I still do dig the same things that turned me on as a kid. I have my parents to thank for that, and now I'm passing it down to my son, who says Sloop John B. is his favorite song, possibly because I sing it to him almost every night before bed. This email got long quick. I just wanted to say thank you for the podcast. I look forward to many more episodes to come. Keep up the great work. Sail on, sailors. Brad Kramer, Akron, Ohio. Brad, incredible. Great to hear this story. I love hearing about how you were into it from like Kokomo and cocktail and things of that nature. That's an interesting entry point. You know, a lot of folks who go in that way don't write us. So I want to hear more of that because that's 
you know, I think it's always great no matter how someone gets into this music, um, more the merrier. Uh, and how about that with the 50th anniversary kind of sparking the interest to go into the greatest period of the band, the pet sounds and forward stuff. You know, I know me and Wyatt talk about it all the time, but there's something about that sweet spot from, I mean, pet sounds and smile are a given, but then you go, you know, friends, 2020, sunflower surfs up. I mean, that's just an amazing time. And then you got the live album, which I mean, I don't even have to say how I feel about that. Amazing. I agree. And thank you very much for writing. Thanks for listening, Brad. Glad to know that there's someone on the other side. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you are out there, we really appreciate you. Uh, One more email today. This one is from Stone Coggins. What a great name. He says, hi, Wyatt and Jason. I recently discovered your podcast and I wanted to write in and say you guys are doing an amazing job covering the Beach Boys. I've been a huge fan of the group for years, but unfortunately no one in my life shares my obsession. So it's been super awesome to get my fix as I'm driving to work. God knows my poor girlfriend has had me talk her ear off enough times about how MIU started out as a Christmas album or whatever else. (laughs) Since you guys seem to like hearing people's origin stories, I'll share mine. I was born in 1994. I always grew up listening to older music, thanks to my parents, but neither one of them was a particular fan of the Beach Boys. So while I was aware of them, I didn't know much of their music. For a while, I was under the impression, sadly all too common, that they were little more than a silly lightweight pop band. It probably didn't help that my first exposure to them was Kokomo. Here we go. This is the opposite reaction. (laughs) Love it. As performed by Kermit the Frog. I need to find that. Anyway, as a teenager, I was really big into the Beatles, and I was honestly perplexed to learn that they drew so much inspiration from a Beach Boys album. I decided to give Pet Sounds a try to see if it truly deserved all the acclaim that it got, and was really surprised to see that, other than the songs I already knew, this really didn't sound like the Beach Boys as I knew them. Even Wouldn't It Be Nice and Sloop John B had more going on than I thought once I gave them a closer listen instead of just hearing them on the radio. Before long, I was listening to the album more than even Revolver, my favorite album at the time, and I had learned more about Brian Wilson's life, so I decided to order a copy of Brian's Smile album. This was before the Smile Sessions came out. On the first listen, it just blew me away. I remember that after Good Vibrations finished, I just laid there on my bed, staring at the ceiling. My mouth was probably open. I knew that I had just finished listening to the greatest album I had ever heard. From there, I was completely hooked. I started expanding my collection of the band, moving backwards, to today and summer days and forward to the Smiley Smile Holland era, realizing how much more this band had to offer than I had given them credit for. After that, I ventured to their earliest albums. I honestly don't think I listened to any music besides the Beach Boys from age 15 to 17. I knew I was hopelessly devoted to the band once I was listening to and thoroughly enjoying MIU and LA. I'm really glad you guys stand up for MIU on the show, as well as the Love You album, which really turned me off the first time I listened to it, but which is now an easily top five album for me. What I really love about the Beach Boys is how human their music and their story is. I don't like to always be comparing them to the Beatles since both groups are amazing in their own right, but it's that vulnerable human side of the band that gives the Beach Boys the edge for me. Listening to a Beatles album is like getting clobbered over the head with the realization that you will never be as perfect as they are. Their albums constantly got better through the years, and they didn't really do filler after 1965. 
They broke up before the 70s cheesiness could creep in, preserving themselves for all time as basically a perfect band. The Beach Boys, on the other hand, have so many amazing high points, but also so many lows. So many meandering decisions, so many strange experiments, and so many moments of cheesiness or embarrassment. And I love them for it. They really show off their human side, which we can all relate to. And that connection I feel with them is really what makes them my all-time favorite group. Basically, when John sings, I'm a loser, his tongue is so far in his cheek that you wonder how he can still hit the notes. When Brian sings, Till I Die, that's a man putting his heart, his soul, everything right in front of you for all to see. Anyway, guys, keep up the great work. I'm a huge fan. Hoping you make your way to the New York area soon. I'd love to come check out the band. Love and mercy and good vibes, Stone. So speaking of New York, Wyatt. Yeah, we're going to try and have a little meetup in New York. Um, So we're going to be playing a show July 5th. And I'm going to address your email in just a second, Stone. Don't, don't you worry. But we're going to have a show on July 5th in Port Jefferson, which is on Long Island. And we played there last year, and it was great. So we had some podcast listeners come, and we had some friends come. And I thought, man, what better place to have a little meetup maybe before the show? So if you guys are interested, stay tuned. We're going to have more info on that, figure out where we're going to do it and all that. But for now... Just mark July 5th on your calendars if you're in the New York area because we're going to have a little a little shindig, something. We'll see. But um, thanks for writing, Stone. What a great email. I can't say how much it means to me that you figured out the same elements of the Beach Boys that I really love, which are the meandering decisions, as you said, and strange experiments. I just thank you for connecting with that and it makes me feel good and i'm glad that you are enjoying the podcast and yeah miu is great and i will defend it to my death hmm uh anyhow yeah great email uh you know i don't have much to add to it than other than what wyatt said outside of i feel like john lennon wanted to be as authentic as like Bob Dylan tried to push him to be. And he, I think that's what maybe where John kind of maybe did connect with some of early Brian, like in some evidence we talked about in our last episode. So, you know, I, it's pretty great that you pick up on that same thing, you know, the, the more human side of the beach boys. And I really do echo what Wyatt was saying. They got to do all kinds of, different varied music and try different things to try to, you know, be great. And their voices at the end of the day, even no matter what they were singing, their voices came together in a magical way that nobody else has been able to do. So that's why they're my favorite. So thanks guys for writing. I know we haven't gotten to everybody's emails, but um, I wanted to try and, and hit a few that were topical for what we're talking about this week and maybe the last few weeks. But, um, if you want to write in and talk about your favorite song on Pet Sounds, we're looking for some pet stories to recount on the next few episodes that we're going to be doing. So hit us up at sailonpodcast at gmail.com and we will get to you sooner than later. Uh, I wanted to say thanks to some new patrons of the show. Um, not only Kathy Johnson, but also Tim Stride, Joe Byrne, and Jimmy Brindley. Thank you guys very much for your support. This show is advertisement-free, 
And if you like what you're hearing and want to get some more content, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash sale on and you get access to bonus episodes. And we're going to do a really fun one coming up. We're doing a sale on radio episode all about (laughs) the Beach Boys songs about food. (laughs) So Jason and I always really get a kick out of the the food songs. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm excited to do that one. Um, Yeah, check it out. We've got a bunch of cool radio episodes on there and we are getting closer to 50 patrons. And once we get that, we are going to start doing two episodes a month, including some special commentaries and interviews, as well as some other secret surprises. Um, And we have some new gifts coming up for existing patrons that we'll talk about soon as well. So really exciting. Thank you guys for, for checking it out. And thank you for listening. We love you. I wanted to bring up something else um, that I saw on the Smiley Smile message board, which we frequent, if not, you know, only to lurk. Purely lurk. But um, yeah, pretty much. Um, But I saw something really cool this week and I wanted to bring it up because I think it deserves repeating. But um, I had heard a long time ago about Brian Wilson working on a country album with the Beach Boys one-time touring manager, uh, Fred Vale. And Freddie. I just, I just kind of like saw it on some website or, you know, some rarities website and it never saw the light of day. It was never finished, but apparently somebody wrote Fred about it and said that it does exist and that it would only take some crowdfunding of about $5,000 to fund a release of the, Brian Wilson, Fred Vale country album from 1970. Isn't that amazing? So if that's true, I mean, I want to get the word out because I, I don't know if it's any good, but I'd love to hear it. And I think I'd be willing to bet that a lot of our listeners would put five or 10, 15 bucks behind it as well. So I wanted to bring that up and uh, I'll put a link to the post in the show notes. Um, it was the uh, the username Pet Smile who kind of tried to kickstart this idea. So hey, it's got some cool people playing on it too. I know Jason will know James Burton and Glenn Harden. So good. Who are touring with the TCB band with Elvis. So they're on the record. I My think favorite. It, it's probably at least a really cool sounding record. I imagine so. I'd love to hear this. So yeah, let's make it happen, Beach Boys fans. I'm going to leave a link, and if you're on the Smiley Smile board, you probably already saw it because it's on the front page, but check it out, um, and then venture into the message board at your own risk because it is a wormhole. But anyway, moving on, I also wanted to give a shout-out to the Beach Boys Discord. Got some really cool info from those guys. Also a, a, a wormhole. And then um, also wanted to... Give a shout out to Hal Blaine, who passed away last week, one of the most important members of the Wrecking Crew, and the Beach Boys family played on tons of Beach Boys songs, played on a bunch of number one hits for a lot of artists, and uh, just really sad to hear of his passing. Um, and uh, our thoughts go out to his family and friends, and we're going to be talking a lot about Hal Blaine here over the next few episodes, obviously. So hearts are heavy, but we're excited to 
really start to appreciate some of the work and contributions he made to this amazing music. The greatest ever. So, as you guys know, or may not know, but you should know that in 1965, the Beach Boys had a bunch of big hits, including California Girls, Help Me Rhonda, and Barbara Ann, but their record label wanted more and more. So Brian was going into the studio regularly, working on new tracks, new arrangements, songs that weren't necessarily finished, but songs that he was messing around with and sometimes just were demos at the time. So you guys probably know Al Jardine. He was a big fan of folk music and especially the song Sloop John B. We come on the Sloop John B. My grandfather and me Around Nassau town we did roam Drinking all night Drinking all night Got into a fight There are many different versions of this song but Al really loved the Kingston Trio version and he always thought it would be a good Beach Boys song. Brian kind of just you know, shrugged off the idea a few times, but Al came to him in July of 1965 and was adamant about how they could turn this into a Beach Boys song. I thought if I put it in his language, you know, put it in a way that he'd understand it, you know, and give it a little uh, oomph and a little, little power, a little change, get off the folk rhythm, get onto the Beach Boy rhythm. He actually showed Brian the chords and so on like that. This is probably how I played it. the key there is the turnaround that actually makes the, the vocals work they become magical because you we've added a, a minor and we did it together i told him i would adapt the melody and make an arrangement to it the next day he had an arrangement done on it he, he uh, surprised the hell out of me and, and came up uh with quite a stunning uh, uh track okay this will be uh sloop john b take one the beach boys tackled it in a way that no one else did Brian brought in the Wrecking Crew, and his arrangement was pretty outstanding. <laughs> That's an understatement. Steve, you're a little slow. All right. Well, Jay Migliori and Jim Horn on flutes, Steve Douglas on woodblocks, followed by the two electric 12-string guitars played by Billy Strange and Jerry Cole. Then you have Carol Kay and Lyle Rich coming on the bass. Al Delory comes in on piano, Hal Blaine coming in on the drums as well.
Second verse starts building with the bass saxophone played by the Admiral himself, Jack Nimitz. And then you have Al Casey on the acoustic guitar, which really adds a huge shimmery effect to the overall sound. I love it. You can tell right away on the first take that the flutes are a little out of tune, but Brian is, you know, kind of letting them rehearse the parts and moving through the track and learning the, the overall feel. And um, he starts trying to balance the two flutes against the microphone. And it takes a few takes to get that right. Right there, don't move. Don't move. All right, let's make it. Now, this, the top flutes, the flutes, the top will be da 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 like you were, you know, the figure. Take eight, Brian That's finally changes the intro yeah. flute line, making really the, the last significant change to the track. Here go, Lucky 14. I sang in Billy's ear and he got hot. Let's go. Lucky 14, as Brian calls it, that is the master take. The next day he played it for Al, and Al loved it. He flipped out, he couldn't believe it. And uh, the track would sit dormant for several months as the Beach Boys were touring and Brian was working on other tracks and they also made the Party album. And then in December, when the boys were done touring for the year, um, they came back in to do vocals. But before that, Brian brought in Billy Strange to add one more extra 12-string guitar track. And this is uh, where there's a neat little story. I've heard a few different versions, but generally Brian called Strange into the studio and he played in the rough recording and said, I need an extra 12-string guitar here. And Strange replied that he didn't own one, so it was a Sunday and Brian responded by calling the head of Capitol Records and also the owner of a, of a music store. And even though the place was closed, they were able to get a Fender Electric 12 and twin reverb amp, 
quickly delivered and uh, Strange recorded the guitar part and then uh, according to some Brian gave Strange the amp and the guitar to take with him as a gift and to say thank you. He basically just beefed up the main guitar riff and added a harmony part in the third verse. So the Beach Boys were brought in later that day to lay down vocals on the finished backing track. Al said, Brian lined us up one at a time to try out for the lead vocal. I had naturally assumed I would sing the lead since I had brought in the arrangement. It was like interviewing for a job. Pretty funny. He didn't like any of us. My vocal had much more mellow approach because I was bringing it from the folk idiom. For the radio, we needed a more rock approach. Wilson and Mike ended up singing it. So on the final recording, of course, Brian sings the first and third verses. Mike Love sings the second. On the first few vocal takes, they were definitely doing some vocal auditions. And uh, you had Carl laying down his take on the first verse and chorus. It was really soft and lazy, and it's kind of hard to imagine that being the final version. So I'm glad that Brian ended up doing it because it just needed a little more oomph behind it, in my opinion. Come on the slip, John B. My grandfather and me around Nassau town. We did wrong, drinking all night. Got into a fight. Well, I feel so break up. I wanna go home. Brian sang the entire song by himself and then did a harmony with himself and then was also singing some bass parts, kind of improvising, it sounded like. They were still kind of messing around. I 
was at that time that Wilson elected to change some of the lyrics from this is the worst trip since I've been born to this is the worst trip I've ever been on which some people think is a nod to psychedelic drugs and all that so going on a trip love that uh, he also changed I feel so break up to I feel so broke up I'm really glad they changed that yeah although you can hear Al sing break up on the harmony part we'll get to that in a he's minute. trying to be cheeky yeah well I think he's I, I think it was a mistake that they just said ah just leave it that happened a lot um they changed broke into the people's trunk to broke into the captain's trunk so yeah on December 29th they came in to do the final vocal overdubs so you had Brian doubling his vocal and then you had Mike doing his amazing vocal on the second verse which I've always loved and then they added more backing vocals after bouncing those down so the high ahs in the verses extra bass parts and then Brian's falsetto leads were added on a separate track and everything was doubled it's a huge vocal arrangement Sheriff Johnstone why don't you leave me alone well I feel so broke up I wanna go home so hoist up the John B, hoist up the John B. See how the mainsail, see how the mainsail. Call for the captain ashore. Let me go home, let me go home. I wanna go home, let me go home. Really awesome. And the last overdub was when they decided to take the instrumental track out on the second chorus, which is a really cool touch. And it's really neat that they didn't really plan on doing that. I think Brian just kind of made that call in the studio when they were tracking and found that section to be really interesting and exciting. So pulled the track down and then brought it back up. Really cool. Of course, you had all the Beach Boys singing on this one. Brian, Mike, Dennis, Al, Carl, and Bruce. And it's a huge arrangement, probably the biggest vocal arrangement they had done to this point. California Girls might be bigger, but it's a it's a great, awesome, huge vocal arrangement. I love oh, how low and how high the vocals go. I mean, probably the biggest range of vocals in any Beach Boys song. It's it's really magical, and I know we're going to talk about it later. But for that reason alone, that's why it belongs on this record. So broke up, I wanna go home. Yeah, the arrangement is spectacular, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, for as we've always talked about kind of how Brian grew through the years as an arranger, just as much as he grew as a songwriter, and this is not an original song, and really it's just a three-chord song. Um and what Brian did with it, with the amazing bass parts that he wrote for it, and just the way the track builds, and the soaring vocal parts are just unreal. And it's a masterpiece, man. I really love this track. I love the song. Um, I even love the the Kingston Trio version. It's really cool. And I can see why Al was such a big fan of it. Um, they did record a music video for this which was pretty cool they did it for the top of the pop show in the uk 
and uh, it was directed by their new publicist, Derek Taylor, and it was filmed at Brian's house in Hollywood, and then they uh, let Dennis Wilson shoot it. He was the cameraman. It was released with the B-side, You're So Good to Me, because there were no other songs to put on there at the time. I know, because they just had done Little Girl I Once Knew, and you weren't, it'd be kind of weird to throw a party track on there. Right. They, it came out March 21st, and then um, it became the fastest-selling Beach Boys single to date. No way. Reached number three. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fastest-selling. That's, that's but it didn't go to number one, which is a mind blow. Did not go to number one. Come on, people. Went to number three in the U.S. I have a question for you. Can you name the number one and two song on the charts <laughs> when it went to number three? Without looking. It's tough. So give me the, give yeah, me the I mean, date. Give tough. me the date. Um, April 1966. Songs that I know you, songs and records I know you love. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> like a Rolling Stone is one of them. Not Bob Dylan. Okay. All right. So are we talking some birds here? Nope. See, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna get it. I mean, I, so number I was one, thinking it was the Beatles, but. No, it's not it's actually. Not. They it's had be um, like something that's far off. Nowhere Man was a top was top ten right, on the same okay. chart. All right, just but, tell um, me because I'm not going to get it. Our, number one, my friend Mark would get this immediately. Number one <laughs> is Monday Monday by the oh, Mamas yeah, okay. and the Papas. Beautiful record. Number two is Good Lovin' by the oh, Young Rascals. Oh, my homies from New yeah. Jersey, I love it. All right, but yeah, I mean it was a big hit. Felix, was, if you're listening, I love you. It was maybe their biggest worldwide hit of their career, believe it or not. It was number one in Austria, number one in the Netherlands, in New Zealand, Norway, South Africa, Sweden, and Germany. It was huge. And it was also number two in Canada, number two in the UK. Crazy. So really big deal for them. Um, And they didn't really expect it to be. Again, like it was just a song that that you know they were kind of messing around with and wasn't really intended to be an album track i don't think and it was only when this song hit it big that capital insisted that they put this on pet sounds which brings me to like a controversial topic Uh, a lot of people think that it doesn't belong on the pet sounds album and they say that it should have been good vibrations or you know a different song or it should have just been 12 songs blasphemers so so who's, um, who's, who are you going to tell us, I'm sure, but I always was under the impression that it was Capital's choice to put it on there. It was. Yeah, Capital right. was insistent that they have a single, and they didn't hear a single on the record. They released Caroline No, you know, as a Brian Wilson single, and it didn't really do anything. Um, and they were like, we have to have this song on the record. So... I um, never thought twice about it when I was growing up and when I first got into this record. I thought it fit perfectly. I think it's amazing. I, th- I think it's, you know, such a great little break kind of in the middle of the album to kind of, you know, there's so much melancholy before and after this song that this is a little more upbeat and a little more accessible and kind of is a little bit of a vacation from everything else that was going on, but it's also kind of a, a dark song. It's about a shipwreck. And it's also, you know, some people have, have said like, we 
said earlier that it could be about uh, an acid trip or LSD trip. So there's all types of tie-ins, and I think it sounds great on the record, especially in the sequence that it's in. And, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I couldn't imagine Pet Sounds without this song. I mean, it's one of the biggest songs that they had, you know? It's such a great song and such a great rendition of this amazing folk song. And, and like we said, it's, it's just a great arrangement, and I never get tired of it. So that's that. I give it a nine out of ten. I give it How about an, that. Uh, I give it a nine out of ten too. There is not. I don't think up to this point, and I love some of the other stuff we gave maybe a higher ranking to, but I don't think there's a better arrangement than any up to this point right. of anything they've done. <clears throat> I think there are better songs because this is a really simple song, but the arrangement carries this entire thing. I mean, those guitar parts, the flutes, the drums, I mean, everything about it, the, vo the vocals are obscenely amazing. Um, I mean, and the sound of this doesn't sound like even California Girls or Little Girl I Once Knew. It sounds like a completely different right. dreamy scenario. Even in mono, I listened to it in mono and stereo back and forth about 10 times this week. Um, and it's just outstanding. Nine out of ten. It's Pet Sounds. It's the Beach Boys. It's Sloop John B. What else do you want? Let's just listen to this song. <laughs> I just want to listen to this song. We come on this Sloop John B. My grandfather and me. Around Nassau Town.
touch on the live versions that they did they started playing this song right away in concerts in 1966 and you can hear lots of different versions that have been released but i really love the version they did in 1966 on the live in michigan album I think it's fantastic. I love the way Carl sings the lead on it. He kind of emulates Brian a little bit more. And it's cool because they kind of rock it out. You know, they play it pretty heavy and they, they're shouting a lot of the lyrics and stuff. And it's actually really, really cool. And that's kind of the way they kept doing it from then on out. Brian came back to sing it on the Late in Hawaii sessions, which is pretty rad. But Carl pretty much took this song, um, took the Brian parts for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, it was one of Carl's showcases in the show. I, I loved, because he put a little, like, especially, like, if you're talking, like, if you watch it on Nebworth, our favorite video, Wyatt, really, oh, truly. Yeah. Um, Satin jacket. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Well, let's do an episode about that jacket. Um, oh, yeah. That's at least two or three episodes just <laughs> on that jacket. All right, it, yeah, go it, ahead. Anyway, uh, Carl eventually started putting a little bit of his, like, Motown stack yeah. soul vocal into it, you know. Let me go yeah. home. He's getting into it, <laughs> so uh, you know he took ownership yeah. of that for sure. Um, Brian did also take the first verse when he came back in the seventies. You know, kind of as one of the only few spotlights that he actually had. You know, he would do like the Surfer Girl Bridge, and he would sing like Back Home and some of the you know more recent songs. But he would always take the first verse of Sleep John B. And then you know, of course, Brian sings it still today in his concerts. Um, and they did it, you know, when they reformed in 2012, Brian sang the first verse then too. Um, who sings it with with Mike now? Does Mike sing it, the whole song? He sings it and Bruce takes a turn for sure. And then I think one of the other guys too. They split it up. They try to, you know, pretend Beach Boy it a little. Gotcha. Okay. Because um, I couldn't recall. It's been a few years since I've seen Mike's band. But... Um, the Mike Love Band, as we call it, you know. Um, MLB. <laughs> no, I kid. Um, so moving along, in 1994, when Mike took Brian to court over the songwriting credits, 
when Al Jardine took the stand, uh, he was asked what happened when he gave Brian Sleep John B. And he said, I arranged it in a fashion that I thought Brian would appreciate and that we could possibly have as a Beach Boys song. I wrote it out for him and played it for him. Al testified that, to his surprise, Brian completed the song on his own and it became a hit in America and around the world. Um, so they asked, did you get credit? And he said, no, I didn't. And then Brian, in his testimony, denied that Al helped him, but Al had no reason to perjure himself. He wasn't a plaintiff in the case, as Mike Love said, so he had nothing to gain. But, um, I don't know, I thought that was kind of weird. That didn't seem in character for Al or Brian, but, you know, it was a weird time. And this is Mike Love's account anyway, but who knows. But I got to say, man, I hate to burst Al's bubble here, but... Al didn't really do a whole lot for this song outside of just convince Brian to do it. And um, this may be controversial, but the two chord that Al touts as being his idea was actually used in the first recorded version of the, the song by the Weavers. Just saying, it wasn't Al's idea. Sorry, Al. In your face, Jardine. Drinking all night. We got into a fight I feel so break up I want to go home Sorry man, you may not have known it, but the two chord was in the Weaver's version. It's pretty crazy. I found that out this week because I was listening we to it. We had to give it like, a little wait. bit of a Beach Boys style. So that kind of was like, that kind of was weird, man. I was, I, I really did think that was Al's idea, but he might not have remembered hearing that because it is definitely there on that version. Anyway, um, and then let's talk for a while about the Stars and Stripes version with Colin Ray. I don't, I, you know, guys, <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to skip that. But, um, what else is there to say about this track, man? Um, what a great song. We've been singing its praises. And uh, I know some people don't like it as much. and That's a real shame. But what a fun song. I love this song so much. I'll never get tired of it. Really love it. It's my favorite cover the Beach Boys ever did, if you can even call it that, because it's such a Beach Boys song at this point. I mean, did, um, we, I didn't say enough about how much I love the intro. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I mean, that, the, like the woodblock sound and the flutes and the fact that it, I don't know, it just, it just signified, it's just an intro unlike anyone else did. I mean, and really that little intro doesn't have, I mean, it's kind of repeated in the song in ways and in the arrangement, but how it happens and it's just like, okay, here we go. And it does feel like you're about to get on a boat. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's perfect and it's not cheesy because you know normally you'd hear some ridiculous things on recordings where people would be like all aboard and you know Beatles were looking at you, but uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So it's so like it's like here's a journey that's about to start. Get ready, your mind is going to be ripped off by this arrangement. It's so good. Yeah, and I think you know something that occurred to me when I was listening to Pet Sounds recently <clears throat> and doing all this research um, is that I think I always thought of Pet Sounds as being this amazing step forward in vocal arrangements, but Pet Sounds doesn't have a ton of harmonies on it. 
I think it's because of this song and Wouldn't It Be Nice, which are huge vocal arrangements, that we kind of, at least I, always thought of Pet Sounds as being this huge vocal album. And listening to the vocals-only tracks when they came out on the box set, you know, um, but, you know, going back through it, it's such a really intimate album. I mean, like, you've got, you know, two instrumentals on this album. And then, you know, like I said, several songs that could be Brian Wilson's solo tracks. So really interesting, some, something kind of, you know, bigger picture that I realized this week. But um, really excited to get into the rest of this record. We're going to just uh, kind of roll through in the timeline like we usually do because they kind of jumped around a little bit, but we're going to try and just cover a couple songs, two or three songs a week or something. Um, I, I always say week, but you know, we don't post every week anymore. We're busy, but every episode we'll probably try and do two or three songs. And I don't know how many we're going to get through as far as like episodes. It'll probably be like six episodes. I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, next week we're going to talk about Brian meeting his co-writer of Pet Sounds, Tony Asher. And also the Beach Boys going to Japan and coming back and making some rad music. So that being said, thank you guys again for listening. If you have any pet stories, any favorite songs, any really interesting anecdotes about Pet Sounds, send us a line at Podcast at gmail.com you can leave us a voicemail and i realized recently that you can send me a text message as well at 615-606-3887 and check out our facebook group it's really fun we post a lot of fun stuff in there lots of fun people lots of great beach boys content there too there's a link in the show notes check out our patreon check out our website for our tour dates with our Beach Boys cover band, sailonsounds.com. And check out Will C., who does our awesome bumper music at willcmusic.com. Anything else you want to throw out there, Jason? No. All right. Well, we look forward to talking more about Pet Sounds with you guys, and I can't wait. I'm excited. It's a really good album. Mostly stoked about Trombone Dixie. Just saying. Ooh. Trombone Dixie. I forgot about that. All right. All right. Hang on to your ego, guys. And sail on, sailors.
does it? Something warm and tender. Let's do it. 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 Let's do